Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Um, just the past couple of weeks, you know, my wife and I, we've been having um, just reflective conversations about, you know, when we moved from South Carolina and we came here and, um, you know, even before then, when I first gave my life to Christ, I've had an incredibly difficult life, very complicated. You know, the family blues and all that, you know, the stuff talk, Clint was talking about, um, you know, with the holidays, that used to hit me all the time, but I'm doing a lot better. You know, God has healed my heart. And, you know, just recently, me and Kate were just talking about some of the hardships we went through since we've been here. And the theme of the conversation was disappointment. And I've never got on the hype, you know, closing up the, the, the year, moving into the new year, thinking about your goals and where you want to be. And a lot of times it's an opportunity for us to just wallow in disappointment. You know, all the dreams, all the, the, the wishes that we've held so dear in our heart that we didn't see things come through. And I just hear God saying that that goodness just let that goodness overshadow you, that disappointment in every situation and every circumstance. The goodness of God is there to see you through. And, and as you know, Clint just does this amazing, uh, this amazing job talking about this, this paradox of the reality of what Jesus paid for and our experience. So it's his reality. And then we got our reality, whether it's sickness or, you know, unmet goals or whatever the case may be. But it's like there's a place in that harsh reality where we don't experience the things of God, but we still can experience his goodness. And it may not transmit externally where things around us or circumstances change, but there's a place of peace and gratitude and contentment that will just wash over all your disappointment, all of your fears, all of your insecurities. And you don't have to try to measure up. You don't have to try to take the bait and it's like this this whole New Year thing puts us, it launches us into this rat race where we've got to try to set these new goals and be the person that we can't be in and of ourselves. Like, that's what Jesus is for. And so entering into this new year, relax. <laughs> Settle into the goodness of God. Don't worry about where you're not. Don't worry about the things that you want in your life that haven't come to pass. There's a place where his goodness will exceed disappointment whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whatever the case may be, when things aren't happening, you still can experience the goodness of God. Because I'm telling you, this, this year around, this time around last year, I witnessed a murder. I witnessed two murders, and you guys know about that. And I'm t I was about to lose my mind. And I had my wife and my son at the time, and I was afraid to leave my apartment because... I mean, there was an elderly lady. I went to Publix. There was an elderly lady, and she went to grab something. And in my mind, I imagined this woman pulling out a pistol. I know that sounds ridiculous, but trauma is totally illogical. And I'm free from that now. And so my wife and I, we've just been talking about the hard year that we've had. And she's been brutally honest about certain desires that she have in her heart that haven't been met yet. And, I, and as men, we, we try to shoulder and burden that that weight. But as men, as women, I'm telling you, there is a place in the goodness of God when things aren't working out, well, we're still connected to this vine. We're still connected to Christ. And he is our contentment. He's our, he's our everything. And that, that paradox, when things aren't working out here, when things don't exist out here, he's in us. He's with us. 
And so just my encouragement to you this new year, let the goodness of God saturate and, and do away with all that disappointment, all of that striving. There's no point in striving. We have Christ in us. And so going into the new year, it's okay to have healthy goals and whatnot, but just relax. When things don't happen, when things don't go the way you want them to, there's still a place of, for you to experience the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. All right. That's a, that's a good word. <clears throat> that's a good word. You're kind of you're kind of prophesying a little bit of what we're talking about today. So that's good. That's a good word. Come on up here. Yeah. Erica. Erica. This this is this. <laughs> oh, you got some. Y'all know each other from back in Colorado, huh? Yeah. And and this is this is Josh's mom. Yeah, yeah. I'm just visiting, um, but I just want to encourage you because I had a picture this morning. I, I don't know if this is for one person or several of us, but um, I just want to piggyback on what Tori said because I had this picture of a desert and that there maybe some of you have been going through some dryness. But I just, just like in a desert, when the water comes, when rain comes, it's, it's very quick that the plants spring up and the flowers and it turns into green area very quickly in a desert because there's a, a short turnaround in a desert. And I just sense the Lord saying that to us, just because you've been in a dry place, don't think that it's going to take a long time for just to allow the Holy Spirit and the work of the painting, the picture on the inside of you for what God wants to do in your life. And his picture, just like what Tori said, when we experience his goodness, it's just a matter of time that we experience it on the outside. Expect his goodness. And I just, sorry, can you? Sure. <laughs> I can't put my glasses on and talk at the same time. Um, I just read this in Isaiah 43. I just said, Lord, where is this in your word? In Isaiah 43, 20. It says, I, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. That's us. We're his chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself. We're, we're here just to proclaim his goodness, A, to see it on the inside, to imagine it, and then to live it out. Because it's only a matter of time. And, and it's in quietness and trust that we're saved. It's not in striving, but just enjoying him. And it says, the people whom I have formed for myself will declare my praise. And I just think that as we continue to do that, just in a place of rest, sorry, I'm a little nervous. I never, I, that's the first time I've spoken. <laughs> but I just, I just love what Tori said. And I just had that same picture on the inside that don't think it's going to take a long time for the Lord to spring up his goodness on the outside as well. You know, you, you have seen it on the inside. It's just a matter of time. Have that expectation in you that that turnaround will come quickly. I mean, that's a good word right there. So I'll give you an opportunity just to see instant feedback. How many of you that, that minister to you? Hold your hand up and keep your hand up. Look, look around, Erica. Yeah, so, and they're not just trying to make you feel good. <clears throat> Man, good stuff. This is, I didn't plan this, but I just, during that last song, I'm like, no, nah, there's, there's, the Lord has put some things on some people's hearts. Miss Rachel, don't we love Rachel? I'm so freaking nervous, but um, I feel it's like my heart's racing. Um, I've been in this season uh, with my husband that I've been like waiting for the other shoe to drop um, because for the first time in my life, every dream that I've had has come true. Wow. And, um, <sighs> and, and, and I want to piggyback off what she's saying and what he's saying, because, um, 
we've all been through stuff, right? There's not a person in here that's had an easy road. Like the fact that you're born into this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to face trials. You're going to face tribulations. If you haven't yet, I'm not trying to freak you out, but you will. I mean, it's just the nature of living this life. Um, and I'm going to tell you, oh boy, I am not the person for the world that I was born in to live the life that I have right now. Um, I was born into an abusive home with a single mom. My mom's amazing, by the way. If you haven't met her, she's awesome. But uh, didn't have a lot growing up. Um, never saw for myself what I have now. And I spent a really long time feeling like it was never going to happen for me. Um, I'm not going to go over a lot of things because a lot of you know the story. But on what you're saying first husband, um, he left me four weeks after I gave birth to our son. Um, and I met my current husband about three months after my first husband left. And I didn't know him. Like, there, it was just totally, totally a God thing. And God has restored every single thing. <laughs> In, in my life and in my husband's life. And we now have a child together. We have two boys um, that are from our previous marriages. And I'm not going to tell his story, but there's a whole story there too. And so when I say that if it happened for me, God is not a respecter of persons. And it didn't take, like you said, a long time. It happened in three months that I met him. And I never saw him coming. And I look back and I've just been in this season of like just sitting there looking at God and being like, I can't believe you've done all of this for me because I don't know. I never saw any of it for myself ever, you know. And um, so I just encourage you that if there's something you're facing, whether it's you're wanting to have a child and you feel like the Lord has spoken that into your heart and you're not seeing it happen, that you need to hold on to what God has said because he's faithful. If it's a money situation, I promise you, I was the girl that grew up with virtually nothing. And where we are now, we don't, we, God is good. That's all I'm going to say. So, so, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and I just, and I've literally had to sit back and go, God, I'm, I'm so thankful because I don't even know it was only you. It was only you. And so hold on to it because it's, it's, he is not a respecter of persons. There is nothing special about me. I did nothing to special. I didn't pray. I mean, yes, we should pray every day. Yes, we should read our Bible, but I w I'm not this super Christian and so if, if there's something you're holding on to, something you're believing for, know that he will bring it to pass. And he is going to bless you more than you could have ever thought or hoped for. And it's not based on your performance. It's based on his goodness. Come on. I mean, I was thinking about you, John, during that. But, you know, it's like same thing. Amen. I know you're waving your hand. And were you going to say something or were you waving? Yeah, come on. I just thought you were testifying over there because I know your story. <laughs> it's good stuff. Don't you enjoy hearing? It's encouraging. <laughs> yeah, he is good, man. I was just telling, um, man, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for COVID. 
One, because if it hadn't been for that, and the fact that I lost my job two days before and broke my leg two days after I lost my job, I'd probably still be, well, I told him I'd probably be dead. Um, I, I honestly believe that. But man, whew, because I would have never came here. I would have never um, went through what I've been through this year. No sleep. Um, I got a sucker punch in August when they said they were closing the mill where I was working. But a lot of the guys know this story. Um, I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. But God was faithful. Man, even through all this, now on this side and looking at him working, <laughs> wow. Because um, there was times when I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? What's my next step? But every day, and you said something earlier, I'm so thankful for this Dwell app because I built some playlists off your book and just on provision and healing and peace and sleep. Man, um, he just he just walked me through it. And every day, and I was just praying, and I'd be sitting there working in my pajamas at home, and I'm like, he would say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I'm like, yes, Lord. <laughs> and then it's, it wasn't, do you trust me? He just said, trust me, follow me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I follow you. I don't know where I'm going to, I don't know what's going to happen, but I follow you. Well, <laughs> Oh, man, I got a call like two weeks before Christmas. I had to go to a job that, I'm like, okay, I, 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 I'll, I'll go. The people I needed to see to try to get more work were not there. But a guy I knew from way back when we both, both worked at that mill, he's like, you should call my call our boss. He's always looking for good people. And I'm like, okay. And all the way home, the two-and-a-half-hour drive home that day, I'm like, okay. And God's like, call him call him and I called him he's like yeah we're looking for good people but it's just not the right time I'm like okay well he called me the next morning he's like just started going through all these benefits and everything and I'm like offered me a job he's like but so this week I got an offer a written offer to start I was supposed to be done work last week and my last paycheck would have been this week but they changed everything at the project I'm working on, so now I have to work this, this week and next week so I don't have to go without, and then my new job starts. And the new job, I have everything I have now as a contractor, plus all the benefits and the profit, everything. I'm like, God is just good. He's just providing. It's like, I could tell you so much more, but man, he is so, so good. So good. Amen. Is Steve or Steve? Your, are your parents here? Okay, uh, that's a very similar story for your parents. But it's just good hearing these stories, especially when we know, uh oh, the both of you are coming. Yeah. No, it's not. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 you don't know, they are in the adoption process, and I'm like, what is it? <laughs> so anyway. It's not that, I promise. <laughs> we I do have exciting news, though. We just wanted to share really quick. My name's Adam. This is my wife, Stacey, if you guys don't know us yet. But um, just wanted to share, we uh, signed up with an adoption agency. It's been just about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And uh, when we looked at the budget, we were like, 
pretty overwhelmed at the the cost and the and the amount it was going to be, which was fifty five thousand dollars was like the suggested budget. So if you're thinking about infant adoption, it's that. But um, we were a little, um, you know, not worried, but you know what I'm saying. It was a big number um, to to expect for. And, you know, we just were trusting. We've just been trusting, you know, how the Lord was going to provide. And I, I put some limits on it in the beginning, took those limits off pretty quick, thankfully. And um, thanks for teaching about taking your limits off. That's great. Um, <laughs> and um, but so anyway, so we um, are fully funded, which is just amazing. So um, and we start we actually started fundraising about six, six or seven months ago, actually. And, you know, we didn't know if it was, if Lord's going to provide through fundraising or what. We had all of these like detailed plans and scenarios and all that kind of stuff. We ended up doing one fundraising event <laughs> and that, that was it. So, and, and so we just wanted to say, praise the Lord for providing because he provides, but he provides. And one of the big ways he provides is through his body. And so we just want to say, we feel humbled and grateful uh, to you guys and to everybody online, to, to all that have given all of our friends and family. We're so thankful that we've gotten to do this together. And we are we haven't got a call yet, just to give you an update. We have no baby call yet, but as soon as we get one, everybody will will know, or as soon as there's um, some some big news, we'll, we'll let you guys know. But thank you guys again for your prayers, for your encouragement, for your support, uh, just for everything. We love you guys. Thank you. Believing for, oh, did you want to say something? If the Lord gives you a dream, he provides. Yes. Did you hear that? If the Lord gives you a dream, he provides. And then it's up to you to, you know, open up that heart and let that faith stay vigilant until it gets built into your life. Amen. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's sermon number four for today. So <clears throat> anyway, man, uh-oh, one more. We'll give you one more. Come on, Betty. Yeah. Show Betty some love. <laughs> okay, I'll be really quick. I just wanted to give an encouragement of if you don't do this, it's been really powerful for me the last couple years, which is to pray about, um, ask the Lord what his word for you for this next year is. I did this the last couple of years. And in worship, I was just so like hit because the two words that I got for 2023 were so fulfilled, like just as crazy. And they were, they were play, which sounds crazy, but it was just play for me to have fun and healing and that the Lord was going to heal a part of my heart that had been wounded in our, my, my relationship with the Lord, um, due to the loss of my first marriage actually. And he has restored and healed so much and this past year, it was just like very humbling in worship to reflect. And he's given me a new word for 2024. But I just encourage you, if you don't do that too, because it's really powerful to see at the end of the year how he fulfills that. And I also try to ask the Lord, where's a verse to confirm that word? And usually he'll give me a verse to that. So it's just an encouragement if you don't do that too, because it's it's really powerful at the end of the year. So, yeah. Amen. Thank you. That's good. Like like Tori said, I think uh, you can use relax. Everybody say relax. I, I love those words, and, and and you'll see as I go through um, 
the message today that, that I think you guys were a bit prophetic in terms of what the Lord would want on our hearts as we transition out of this year and into the new year and that it being relax, be at peace. In fact, let's see. Are you able to put slides up or is it, is it busy? Okay, throw that first one up there. This is the title. Increase in love, live a quiet life, and everybody say that one with me. Mind your business. That's from 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to walk through this. But isn't that interesting, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I was kind of hearing that a little bit in this message or in even what people were talking about. And so let me just give you a little bit of a foundation here of what's going on in 1 Thessalonians and, and Paul speaking to this particular church. You know, this church was, it was pretty early on. I think you can read about this church um, in Acts 17. And it's a church that got a hold of the gospel, started growing, started, you know, building communities and started experiencing a lot of persecution. And in that region, there was a lot of, uh, you know, still Roman hyper sexual perversion and idol worship and all the weird stuff that, you know, that we see in our culture today, unfortunately still. But. So he was encouraging them to stay vigilant, stay faithful, because back then Christianity and following Jesus was so new that there were a lot of Jews grabbing a hold of the gospel. But when persecution came in, a lot, and this this is kind of this is a oversimplification, but it's but it's a, a pretty common thread through what a lot of early Jews were experiencing. Jews being the people of God that God revealed Himself through in the earth until Christ came, and a lot of them were experiencing, you know, oh my goodness, there's persecution. This must mean that either that was the wrong Messiah, or this is not the one from God sent that we should follow. You know, a lot of them had the perspective that when the Messiah came, that he would overthrow Rome and reestablish Jerusalem and set Israel up as a, the ruling you know, military and political nation over all the earth, but they didn't understand the nature of God's true kingdom. They didn't understand the spiritual nature of God's kingdom people in that the kingdom dwells within us and the way that his kingdom increases and takes over the earth is through the hearts of people in people's lives and then how we treat each other. It, it's not going to be this dominant overtaking of world systems. You're not going to take over politics and take over government and take over this and take over all man's temporary systems to establish the kingdom. We can influence those. We can serve and be lights in those communities and in those structures but, but we're not going to establish the kingdom by taking those things over. Are you with me? And, and they expected, in fact, it was, it was a Herodian mindset. It was maybe considered the, the, the leaven of Herod. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Put two tech people on it. This is a dream man Eric here. <laughs> and John helped too. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, but so, you know, they were expecting a dominant king, essentially, somebody to come in and overthrow Rome and set, and set Israel up. And so when persecution would set in, people would back away. Oh, I think I'd rather go back to the animal sacrifices. That's better than getting whipped and beaten and killed and cut my head cut off and all this stuff or following Jesus, you know, which seems like a very perfect time to point out 
Caitlin is 13 years old. Woohoo! <laughs> a little bit of good news for the dark stuff. But anyway, you got a teenager in your home now. Um, I don't know, Roman occupation and teenagers, it kind of almost seemed to kind of... <laughs> so anyway, that's what he was writing about. They'd gone in, uh, Paul and Silvanus, I think, uh, and he was, the, you know, the gospel was taking root, but they were getting persecuted, and so they ran out of town. He sent Timothy back. I really would recommend go and read First Thessalonians this week. Also, too, watch the Bible Project video for 1 Thessalonians. It gives you a good, really good overview. Such a great... Anytime you're wanting to read a particular book of the Bible, go and watch their videos about that book and get the overview. Man, there's a lot of really good meaty theology packed into their videos. It's just really excellent. Um, and, and then go back and break down what it is that you're trying to learn in there. But so for this church, though, he was writing to a group of people that he loved. And he deeply connected with them. And he wanted to go back and see them, but there was so much persecution that he couldn't. And, and so he, when he sent Timothy, because he was worried about them falling apart, he found out. Timothy came back and brought the report that, no, nah, they're good. The gospel's really going forth. And they're, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's funny because in the, in the project, uh, Bible Project video, when he talks about Timothy bringing the report back to Paul, there's a little clip, there's a little drawing of, people that are, their arms are in slings and they got black eyes and they're all beat up, but they got smiles on their faces and they're like, nah, the gospel's going forth. You know, it's like they, they, they reveled in persecution, right? So, so he was happy to hear that, but here's what I want to take away. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things in first Thessalonians. And then you get into second Thessalonians and everybody starts trying to figure out what the end times looks like. We're not going there today. thought we'd get like some size of relief or something. I don't know. Everybody's trying to figure it out. Anyway, the thread that really stood out to me was the, the love that they had for each other as a community. They really saw themselves as this kind of family that had a greater purpose that transcended the persecution that they were experiencing that gave them a sense of purpose, but they were bonded in their love for each other. Like, like what Tori was saying, you know, you can expect to experience goodness even in the presence of disappointment. Because usually disappointment comes from the, the state of the world in your life, not where you are with the Father. And, I, you know, I'm, I've been listening to these testimonies, and, and I'm just, man, I'm so thankful because all these testimonies have something in common, and that is the attitude to continue to trust God in the midst of maybe circumstances that don't look like they're going to work out. And I'm telling you, that is a big leap that you have to take in your understanding and in your mind about how God sees you and how God operates in this earth and the attitude that He has toward you. You know, if you have the perspective that God's manipulating all the circumstances of your life, and you have to try to figure out through those circumstances what God is doing, well, it's no wonder that you give up on your faith and walk away from God. God's not pulling the strings of every little thing that happens in your life. Now, I know we live in a, a Baptist stronghold area. Stronghold might be a good word. I love Baptists. 
but, it, but, it, but the mindset typically is more of a Calvinistic perspective that God's controlling everything, right? And that is a big divide in the middle of the church that God's determined and planned out everything, controlling everything versus free will, and you have a choice, you know, and I'm not going to try to sort all that out today, but in a sense, you're responsible for your actions, amen? And God is working with you to bring about His will in your life, which is ultimately what we want, is His will accomplished and established in our life. So we want to renew our minds and make decisions in agreement with that to walk that out. And so oftentimes when you see a promise in Scripture related to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf, but you don't see it established in your life, oftentimes, Christians, we will go toward judging God or disqualifying ourselves. What did I do wrong? What have I not done right? What have I not done enough of? What, have I did, what did I do too much of? What am I missing? What, I, what do I not understand? If I could just understand this, did it all work out? It's like, uh, you just got to throw out a lot of that thinking and recognize the kingdom is in you as a seed. It's not a formula. It's not a series of steps or laws or rules to keep. It's a seed. The kingdom of God is spirit. And the nature of spirit is to function like a seed. And the kingdom is in you to grow. And it should first and foremost grow its fruits in you bringing peace, righteousness, and joy, helping you connect to the way of life that God would want you to live on this planet. So holiness is expected by God. But And, and, and I'm kind of merging in what 1 Thessalonians is about. He does admonish them to live a holy life, get the sexual perversion out of your life, because specifically in that culture they were dealing with it. But he presents holiness in a way more so rather than a series of rules that you have to keep and then attain holiness or as if holiness is the byproduct of your living. He presents holiness as, let me just work, let me just go ahead and let you know you're righteous because God cleansed you. That is your sanctification, Christ cleaning, cleaning you by faith. So now holiness is, I recognize that God expects me to live this way and I'm going to make a choice to live in accordance and in agreement with His rules, His commandments, the way that He says. And, and they're almost really more prescriptions than they are commandments to earn or to attain. So holiness is recognizing God says to live this way. I'm going to set apart my life and intentionally choose to live that way. That's holiness. Intentionally choosing to live that way. Your success in living within it does not determine your holiness. The fact that you choose to live this way is holy. Does that make sense? So in other words, it's a set apart. You're setting yourself apart to live in a way that is consistent with living righteously, living holy, living uprightly, living you know, free from sin, under grace, which is God's power working in you. So it's, it's more of a choice to live a certain way than it is successfully living that way. Now, if you hear, well, then you just are creating an excuse for sin. I don't know what to say. But if you hear, okay, yeah, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Of course I do want to live in a way that honors God. Then you're making the decision to live holy. And that, that's a big theme in 1 Thessalonians. But the way that they talk about each other is what I really wanted to focus on today. 
And it really leaves us with this idea that if you want to have any sort of resolution or whatever going into 2024, it could be something related to this. We want to increase in love. Biblical, godly love, you know, not, not fudging the lines of what love is. Uh, but specifically, brotherly love, love for one another. Because Paul was proud of the first Thessalonians. In fact, he even said, you are my glory in one, one phrase. And what he means is, what I've brought you and helped you learn and understand and live in, you're doing it, and it's a fruit of his ministry, and that's, that's glorious. That's a glorious thing. So he looked at the fruit of his ministry in those people, and that was his glory. It's really a powerful uh, section when you get to that point. But again, the thread is increasing specifically in brotherly love. And then there's a little part in 1 Thessalonians 4 that he gets down and he just says this. You know, this is what I want to see. I want you to increase in love, brotherly love for one another. Live a quiet life working with your hands and mind your own business. But it's interesting because that prescription is actually what he's giving them to increase the gospel. So in other words, living this way yields increasing the gospel. Why? Because they're an example. And he starts off by saying, praise God, you're an example. You are an example for this. And then when, once the example sets the stage to then open your mouth, then you do so. So we're not saying you just live this life, keep your head down and never witness to anybody. But we're also saying, get out of the mindset that you got to go save the world. Because you can't. But you can be an example, and then that example will create opportunities and open doors. Then be bold to step into those. And then you add to that the gifts, you know, knowing where your place is in the body, in the body stepping into that. Amen? So I just want to read through a good bit of... Um, do we have it where the background will be in there? I don't know if you've got that in there, but anyway. Let's go through this. So I'm just going to read a few selections in first... Sorry, I'm a graphic designer. That was my background, and I'm like, it's got to look good. So forgive me. So I'm just going to read through these. And again, I'm not trying to extrapolate the doctrine of the whole of 1 Thessalonians, but there's a storyline of the love that this community has for each other. And the love that they have for each other is what strengthens them and then helps them by their love for one another, be examples in a sexually perverted, devil-worshipping region. You know, and, and, he, and he, he talks as if they actually can make an impact. Imagine that. Amen? Let's not give up. It's not your job to... Oh, man... You know, we, ju we just have this mindset too often. We'll go back to here. We just have this mindset too often that, you know, we have this monumental task to usher in revival and save the world. And, I mean, how's that working for you? You ever tried that? You ever been in that vein where it's like, we're going to pray and we're going to tip the bowls and bless God. We're going to get so holy and we're going to pray and we're going to convince God to move. And finally, God's going to move. And I'm getting kind of tired. Oh, God, you're going to move? What's going on? You know? And you get worn out. You get ground down. And it's like, nah, you know, if you, if you learn how to thrive 
from rest, you will be way more effective in kingdom work than those all-night prayer vigils. I'm not saying don't pray all night, pray all night. All the stuff that you feel like you've got to do to make it happen, you can make it happen. But you can live in harmony with the Spirit. And that's way more productive. And I feel like, what was that passage you read, Erica? Isaiah 61, was it? Isaiah 43. Do you remember the verse? But yeah, you can say it when you catch when you get there. Isaiah 43, I think. So insert that here, Isaiah 43. <laughs> Whatever that verse is, you know, springs in the desert. That man, that's that's kingdom living right there. So let me just walk through this. And and really, there's a lot of passages that I want to read, but this is bringing us down to the conclusion of <clears throat> you don't have to build this great thing for God. You don't have to figure out this, this, this massive role in the body of Christ and in the kingdom that you think that you're going to have to fulfill to be finally what God wants you to be. You ever felt that way? I mean, I'm telling you, let me just say this. So many Christians are sitting, waiting to know and figure out and understand what they're supposed to do for God. And, and what he's saying here is, you're doing it as you love one another. Just increase in that love. Live a quiet life. And mind your business. That's just how I hear it. Isaiah 43, 18 to 21. Thank you. Are you with me? Amen. So it's like, relax. Take some pressure off. Now, this doesn't mean do nothing. You don't just sit and eat ho-hos and ding-dongs and expect you're going <laughs> to fulfill the will of God for your life, right? Because there are, now there are assignments. There is a calling. There, are, there is a role for you to play in the body of Christ. And every role is as important as the other. So we, you know, we're, not count, we're, not, we're not disqualifying that or forgetting that or throwing it off in a ditch. We're just saying the way that you come into the fulfillment of that is grow in your love for one another. I, I'm convinced of this, so much so that I wrote a book about it. Who do you love? Because I, I, I'd sit for years with people trying to figure out, Why don't, what does God want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want? And I just heard myself over and over and over and over ask people, okay, well, who do you love? Who are you passionate about? What's the, what, what issue in the world breaks your heart that you'd like to do something about? How can you love people? So rather than figuring out the job description that God has for you, determine the who that you want to affect, and then the what falls in line. We're trying to figure out the what, but the who determines the what. So be about the who. And the who is first and foremost the body, right? Love one another. And then that becomes the testimony that we follow Jesus. And then they and then it, as in John prays and or Jesus prays in John 17, our love for one another and our oneness in Christ and our oneness with each other is a testimony to the world that we follow Jesus. And then our love for each, this is so powerful. Our love for each other should be so impactful that it causes the world to believe. Add that to your reading this week. Go read John chapter 17 toward the end. And he specifically says, Your our unity in the body of Christ is so that the world will believe. Man. 
increase in brotherly love, live a quiet life, mind your business. But I will also say, step into the opportunities that then get created by your example. Amen. So let's read this, and let's just—I just what I just wanted the heart to stand out of what it is that he's highlighting and what it is that he's recognizing about this church and just see how it speaks to you in this process. See how it speaks to you. Because, you know, I do want to, at some point early in 24, I want to go through collectively this who do you love process in terms of helping you determine some things. That Because we all want to step out. We all want to see the assignments that God has for us fulfilled and accomplished, don't we? I mean, if God were to sit in front of you and map out a plan of your role and your job in the body of Christ, we all want to know that. But you just got to first and foremost know you're a child and you're accepted. And the fact that you know your father, that's your purpose. Your purpose is, I'm going to be a child of God and I'm going to enjoy his kingdom and I'm going to let his spirit change me. That's your purpose. Then your assignments beyond, and I, you know, I might re, be redefining some things, but then your assignments or your calling is, okay, now, now from my identity in a place of rest and security in the Father because of Christ and the finished work and I'm complete in Him, that's what I want to serve out of my completeness. And it starts with love and then we as an example. And it's almost as if the church across the planet has adopted exactly the opposite strategy. Let's hate each other and let's point out which ones of us are right and wrong, so much so that the world looks and says, I definitely don't want any of that. So, so if we got work to do, that's the work, loving our brothers and sisters. I'm saying some general things, but I think you get where I'm saying. So Hans, if you would, <clears throat> go ahead and start clicking through those, please, sir. You can start in that 1 Thessalonians 1, 2. And again, just get the heart that he's building and how he describes this community. And I want us to adopt this mindset in terms of this church, this body, this community, and those that are watching online and listening. There's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people out there that consider this your home church. This is for you as well. And that's one of the things that we're looking at going into this next year of how you know, how to, how to close that gap a little bit more, you know, because there's people out there that are, this is their church. So here we go. We give thanks to God always for you all. Just, I mean, just think about that. Like, are you thankful for your brothers and sisters that you know here, your family, this community? And if you don't feel that way this coming year, let's, let's look at some ways to help you either get connected in such a way. And I'm not talking about, okay, here's our list of areas where we need people to serve and that's going to be, as you serve, that'll be you're, you're fulfilling God's will for your life. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't want to give you a bunch of church busy work and then make you think that that's the fulfillment of what God would want you to do. It might be, but it might not be. I'd rather you have a vision from God between you and the Lord in your heart of what that looks like to serve God in the body of Christ. Amen. So, um, that, in fact, it's one of our core values. Get your own vision. I don't want you to catch my vision and serve my vision. I want you to get a vision from God. Have a purpose. Have a direction. Live for something bigger than yourself. And then we unite arms together in this attitude 
And then it becomes a testimony to the world. Look, man, look at how they support each other. Look at how they treat each other. Look at how they build each other up. Man, I, I know that guy. I know that guy. And all these people around him are, you know, it just, it speaks. So let's, let's adopt this attitude. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Just keep going if you would, please. <clears throat> and then we're skip to verse 7, uh, chapter 1 still. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. And that's, that's, that's a big thing. They're examples. Doesn't reference that they go and build all these big things. They're examples. Verse 8. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. I love that. You're an example. And from that example, the word of the Lord sounds forth. Not only in those cities, but also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out. Not the work that you've done, the goals that you've accomplished. Now again, I'm not disqualifying those things because I want us to be hyper-productive, but the framing of this is your example is what's causing the word to go out. So that we do not need to say anything. Interesting. Uh, chapter 2, verse 7. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. Now, people are craving this. People are craving to be a part of a community that, that the way they experience this, this attitude toward each other. Affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you'd become dear to us. Verse 11, chapter 2, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God. And that's a, that is a factor, you know. He does address this. It's like, okay, because of who you are and the expectations, there is the expectation to live holy and specifically free from sexual perversion, big thing going on in this area but that you'd walk worthy of it, so that you uh, walk worthy of God. And that's, that's that holy set-apart living, uh, who worthy of God, who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effect effectively works in you who believe. And then chapter 4, and we're going to read through a big section of chapter 4 here, but again, it's the attitude. It's how he's framing the relationship within the church. He's recognizing in the other parts that we're not reading that they're experiencing persecution, that there is an expectation to live in agreement with how God would expect you to live. But the attitude is this, this family supporting one another, being there for each other, walking through this process together. Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Just as you receive for us, you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. And you just got to kind of bear with Paul. Paul takes rabbit trails even in his writing. We'll go back like two or three verses because it's like, he's like, I want you to increase more and more. And then he's like, wait, 
I forgot what you were talking about. Okay, so I'll show you. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you sh It's almost like as he's writing, he's focusing on love, but then the preacher in him is just like, but I got to make sure that you got to know you got to live the right way too. We don't want to throw that out, right? I've been accused of preaching this greasy gray stuff, so I got to make sure we say that just so people don't take it and follow it. Like, I get what he's doing here. Like, because he preaches Romans 5, you know, it's like, man, there is now a righteousness that is free from the law. And they're like, so you're saying we can sin? And he's like, what? God forbid. No, don't you know sin's going to kill you? Anyway, so I get what he's doing here. He's like, he's framing it and he doesn't want to leave any cracks. But for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But So now he goes back to kind of his main point after he packs all that in there. And, that, and it's not that that's less important because it is important, but the point that he was trying to get to was this. You're, you're living this way, but this is the, the, the big point. But concerning brotherly love, so when he says increase and increase, he's not talking about increasing in law keeping. He's talking about increasing in brotherly love. Fully expectant that you live in agreement with how God would expect you to live, not minimizing that. So, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. So go back. I just want to make this point. Back one more. So concerning brotherly love, next verse, and he tags it with that you increase more and more. Do you see that? Like if you gotta, you almost have to kind of go down and break break down the sentences and diagram the sentence to see where the, the, the verbs and all that stuff still modifies what he's actually talking about. He's talking about what you need to increase in is brotherly love. Yes, live this way. Because a lot of people preach you need to live more and more and more and more holy. You need to get better and better and better at staying out of sexual sin. You need to get better and better and better. Now, it, that, it's not that that's not true, but that's just not what he's actually saying here. It's almost it's a given. It's like, yeah, you need to live this way. But what I'm talking to you about is let's increase in this brotherly love thing. Because that's how we reach people. That's how they know that we follow Jesus. Amen? So, increase more and more that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. I don't know, I, is that freeing to you? Man, I'm telling you, those of us that take the Word of God and our desire to fulfill the call of God on our life seriously, man, it can be a lot of pressure, can it? Have you ever thought that you could fulfill let me ask you this. This is a serious question. Have you ever thought that you could fulfill the, the will of God for your life by living a quiet life? 
that's not an excuse to do nothing. You might need to tweak your thinking a little bit. Take some pressure off. Let the Holy Spirit sort that out for you. And mind your business. And work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. I love this. Increase in brotherly love. Live a quiet life working with your hands. And mind your own business. You don't have to fix people. You don't have to go to them and tell them what they're doing wrong so that you get rewards in heaven for discipling somebody. Although, that's what we want to be about is discipling people. We want to build disciples. You know, it's funny, Rachel, you said, I'm not a super Christian. And I was praying through some things. Well, I'll just tell you, this may be helpful for you. But I was, you know, you, you get a lot of time with your kids after they're a little bit more grown. My kids are 19 and 21, and you see them more during the holidays. And every parent always wonders, am I doing enough? Have I done a good enough job? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Especially when they're adult age and they, you know, Reese, our son's out of the house and you're like, you look at their life and you're like, oh man, I kind of wish we would have done this a little bit more. Anybody do that? You got adult kids and you think back and it's not really regret. It's just more so, I'm going to help them do it with their grandkids. I don't know. We just go places, you know. <laughs> and, and we can judge ourselves. Man, whoo, we can put some pressure on ourselves. But I just really feel like the Lord said to me, uh, I didn't ask you to make super Christians this morning. And it wasn't like I was coming to church feeling all heavy. It's just, you know, you just think. As parents, you think about these things, right? And, and so that's almost like a confirmation that you would even say those words for me. But, but, but it was, I didn't ask you to make super Christians. What's the mark of a Christian? People that are committed to my way of life, they remain faithful toward me, they're loving, they're kind, they're generous. And I'm thinking, man, those, that's my kids to a T. Woohoo! <laughs> so, you parents out there, you don't have to make super Christians, but the character integrity thing is a big deal. That's just a side note. But in terms of going into this new year, uh, just as a church body, man, I, I want to see this. And I, I'm not putting kind of, I'm not, I'm not saying, okay, so now that you got to do this. I just, and we have this. I really think we have this. This is something that people come into this community and they love about it, you know, very loving, accepting, accepting warm environment. And we want to continue to sow into that. We want to continue to grow that attitude and community. And, and I'll tell you this, and I say it regularly, if you feel disconnected, join the club. Everybody does. You're not special. You can use that as an excuse or you can do something about it. You know, because especially when you come into, it's not a huge church and you come in, it looks like, well, everybody's already got a place and they already all know each other. I don't know how I fit in. I don't Grow up. I mean, can I say that? You know, it's, it's like, 
we want to have opportunities, but at some point, you know, if, if you can't just stay stuck, you can't just stay in your insecurities. You can't just stay guarded. Be willing to love and, and be loved. And oftentimes, you know, if you want friends, you want connections, you want purpose, love people. Healthy, not codependent, enabling love, but make some connections. Because there's more to it than just you having some friends. It's a whole community being, exam being an example from which the gospel goes forth. You might be a toenail on the little toe of the body of Christ, but that toenail serves a purpose. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> uh, leave it to my wife to call me out on that one. <laughs> but you get my point, right? Something insignificant. Don't disqualify yourself. Be a proud toenail. Woo! Erase that one. Better analogy. I never plan my analogies. They come out and it's like... <laughs> Increase in brotherly love. Live a quiet life. Mind your business. Recognize that as we do that as a community, we are an example to the world around us from which the gospel goes forth. Then, as those opportunities are created... You just love. You just love. And, and, and look for opportunities for the power to flow through you because we're not minimizing that. We want to see that, and I think that should increase. We should, we should be better at this healing stuff. We should be more accurate at this word of wisdom and word of knowledge stuff. But I think that as we're more loving, that stuff, we get more effective at it because then our, then our motivation is, is love and compassion. We're moved with compassion like Jesus rather than moved with obligation to do something for the king. God, do the stuff. You know, I, I want this person healed because God loves them and I love them and I don't like watching them suffer and be in pain. And, you know, motivated by that, I think the, the gifts will be way more effective in an environment of love. And we want to see all that stuff increase too. Amen? Which, uh, you know, the, the equip for this month in January, we're going to talk about, you know, what do you, what do you want to see working in your life and just kind of start to pray through and talk about that. Which, by the way, our equip night, um, the, the worship is longer. It's more kind of soaking kind of a vibe. It's, it's, you know, it's just really special to come in and sit and just relax and enjoy the worship. And, and then we have a usually a great, conversation about whatever the topic is that month but so come to that amen, amen. are you excited for 24 yes. you don't have to save the world but we do want to be productive and be examples amen let's stand up if you would and then we have our prayer team some of you guys if you would come up you can go on on either side here if you want prayer for anything specific these guys are available and we are going to round out some more uh, training for our prayer team. I'm just going to commit and get that done to equip you all because you all have the same spirit that Jesus had. Amen. 
Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. And we just, we just put all of our attention on the fact that you, Jesus, are in our midst. You're right here with us. And you are our Lord, our King. You are our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, our wisdom, our peace. You're our counselor, you're our healer, our deliverer. You're our judge and you're judged on our behalf. You're our helper. And you love us so much that you would die for us. We thank you and we worship you and we honor who you are in this place. It's all about you. You're the reason that we gather. And we just want to see you more clearly in our lives. And we want to live in such a way where others see you. And we thank you for the opportunity to do that individually and collectively as we give you this body. We give you this church. This is your church. There's one church. That is the body of Christ. We thank you that you're building your church on this planet, Lord. We want to participate in that. We don't want to minimize we want to be those loving components that reflect your will and your heart toward people. We worship you. Just, just laser all of your attention onto him, Jesus, and just acknowledge him for just a moment. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you live in me. We worship you and we honor you. We praise you. Jesus, I believe your spirit is alive and active and moving in this place. Your spirit is praying for people even right now. You are, you are our great high priest that intercedes for us. So I believe your spirit is moving throughout this body. Those that are watching and listening as well, you're touching, bringing about healing and restoration, wholeness, emotional deliverance, physical healing in our bodies, emotional healing from the trauma of the past life and health. In Jesus' name, I speak clarity of vision into your minds. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're leading us and guiding us. You're not leaving us in the dark. Nourishing and enriching our spirits, bringing health and life and prosperity to be a blessing. And we receive all of that. We receive everything that your spirit would want to do through us. And we just say yes, just say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know, if there's anybody in this room today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never become a Christian, been born again, gotten saved, however you want to say it, but you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time today, just raise your hand so I can see your hand. And then maybe there's people online. We have a video that will come up to walk through that process. Reach out to us. We worship you. We honor you. We love you. We thank you that you're with us, Lord. May you be glorified and may people see you through our love for one another. Amen, amen, amen.